Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let it go. Let it fly. A red balloon in a big blue sky. Let it ride on the wind. So many things we can't hold. And that is some of the very beautiful song called Red Balloon from my guest singer-songwriter David Leask. He's here to chat about his brand new album where you'll find the song Red Balloon on. The album is called Six and Six Eight. And we're going to talk about it and share a couple of songs from it. We'll also ask David about his influences, songwriting, uh, Nashville, and how inspiring it is for him, and much, much more. My pleasure now to welcome David Leesk to the show. Hey, David. Hey, Dave. How are you doing? I am doing just wonderful, and, and it is so great to have you here. And recently I got to see you in person at Rock and Docks uh, on a weekend of performance you had there not so long ago. And mm-hmm. it was a great performance. Well, thanks. You know, we had a bit of fun. It was great to see you out there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool little venue. And, uh, yeah. And I love when you throw in covers. Of course, your originals are great. But now and then you'll put in some cool covers. And one of them that stood out to me that day was Mike and the Mechanics, The Living Years, which mm-hmm. going back in time is one of my favorite songs. It's got such a significant meaning to it. Yeah, I mean, I... I guess I gravitate towards songs like that and um, I mean I sort of grew up and remember when that was a hit back in the UK when I was living over there but I came across a a sort of pared down version with Paul Carrick just sitting at the piano and and that's kind of what encouraged me to to kind of do my own version and uh, play around with the looper a little bit but yeah, yeah, it always seems to have an impact people recognise it, it's one of those songs for sure now, when you sing any song you sing, especially the ones that you write, we hear the emotion. And your pro- uh, co-producer on the album, Justin Abedin, said you were at your emotional best on this record. And let me just make sure I've got his name pronounced correctly because it was my first yeah, that's shot correct. at it. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Abedin, yes. Just, Justin uh, Abedin, yeah. Justin Abedin. Um, so he said you're at your emotional best on this, and these songs are very special. Uh, there's six of them, and, and we can explain the title here, Six and Six Eight, six songs, all in six-eight time. And I'll let you take it from there, but I do know that six-eight is your favorite time signature. Yeah, six-eight is uh, basically bars of six. You know, people be familiar even with a sort of count off of one, two, three, four, and then the band comes rocking in. You know, most songs are in four-four that you hear out there in the in the country world and the pop world, but occasionally there's a song in six-eight that creeps in, and I just I had this idea, uh, given that I seem to write an awful lot of songs in 6-8 time uh, to do a sort of uh, six-pack, if you like, um, 
So I called my right. co-producer, Justin Abbott, and, and I said, am I crazy? Should I do this? He says, oh, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't do an album with all six, eight songs. Um, so, we, so we looked at my catalogue and pulled some old ones and, and some new ones, and... Um, yeah, we had fun with it, and you know we used a different palette of instrumentation uh, across the record that makes it pretty seamless, I think. And um, yeah, so it came together nicely. So that that was kind of the idea around the six eight. Now I'll put some other numbers out there uh, aside from six eight on this album. Nineteen musicians, ten engineers, and eleven different studios that you recorded the songs at parts of the song all of the songs uh from toronto to montreal nashville to alabama so there are mm-hmm. a lot of uh places and people went into the making of this yeah i mean part of that comes because you know there's a period of time where i was just recording a lot as songs as i write them um, thinking that they might be demos or they might be album cuts, not really sure. And, you know, they were just in different places. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's just the way I ended up. And, um, you know, it's it's flavors as well from those different places. But, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a core of musicians, side players in, in Toronto that I've used uh, on a bunch of my records. And, and some of them suit certain songs and some of them suit other songs. So... That's part of working with Justin too, is choosing the right team for your album, and um, you know I, I think it, it all turned out pretty good. Absolutely, and we have uh, a couple of the songs from Six and Six Eight coming up on the show, including Red Balloon, which is coming up in just a few moments. Uh, let's go back in time, David, to your musical influences, and as you were pursuing music and growing up. Uh, the artists that turned you on to music and got you interested in doing the same things that they were doing? Um, you know, it's hard to think of one particular artist. Um, I mean, if there's a big influence, I mean, I would probably say my older brother because he was in a band before I was, and he, he was someone who had a, you know, uh, uh, acquired a lot of records and, he just kept buying records of different genres, and so I, I wanted to, I guess, you know, follow in his footsteps. So I ended up joining his band as a drummer, and and uh, you know, just getting in the thick of it and jumping out front on guitar. But you know, I I played in, believe it or not, a punk band originally, and then you know, I sort of morphed into listening to people who I, I just really loved as songwriters. You know, people like Mark Cohen. Um, and then when I, mm. I I came across to Canada, you know, I went down to Nashville and listened to a lot of great writers there. So I mean, there's 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 a kind of a mix of uh, UK influence and also I would say kind of North American roots, roots country stuff, just from having been here for you know over twenty years. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to pinpoint one for me. I just I'm, I'm kind of a guy that likes to follow the song and even regardless of genre and just. If something pulls you down that road, just keep following it if it's a good song. so Definitely, and so much of it is based on uh, your songwriting. These are the stories that you tell. Other people's stories, your own stories, you put them into song yourself and many times with co-writers. Songwriting mm-hmm. is very important to you, David, to tell your own stories. Tell me a bit about just what songwriting means to you in your life and, and, and what, uh, what it does for you. Well, I think that, 
you know, there's, there's a phrase I use sometimes, you've got to write yourself out. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that we're here. I mean, I, I believe that we're here to sort of fulfill our truest nature and, and you find out what it is that you love and you find a way to, you know, you, you're kind of chosen in a way and, you know, it chooses you to, to keep doing it because it's, it's not an easy gig, as you know yourself as a writer, to sit and stare at a blank page and and try and, you know, work something into something that feels like it uh, should come into existence, something that's real. Um, right. But it, it, it's a bit like mining, you know, like, I mean, I've, I've, I've done a lot of co-writing. I mean, I've co-written with over 100 different co-writers over the years and but I still write on my own and that can involve getting up at two or three in the morning and hanging around for a couple of hours <laughs> and until you get that line that woke you up in the first place um right. but you know it's 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 definitely something I feel like I'm meant to do uh it's 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 a struggle writing um but it's it's like life you've got to find meaning in the struggle and uh so you know that's that's hmm. really what I'm doing is just trying to write um part of my story as you say but also what i see around me what i read what i hear and uh and i think that's that's what comes out and it's 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 totally unpredictable as you know you never know what you're going to write from one song to the next and that's part of the hook is that it's mystery so i think that what we do is we try and channel some mystery and try and put it out there um in the form of songs which marcus hummon who's a you know big influence of mine he he terms as living poetry because again songs can start in one format and then you've been singing them for five years and they might take on a whole new meaning and i think that's right again that's that's the power of song that can you know evolve over years so i've heard that that a song that an artist has written and will perform years down the road will take on a different meaning based on where they are in life it may have a deeper That's meaning right. a different meaning mm-hmm. which is pretty pretty crazy and pretty incredible about music well it is and i think that you know part of that is that we evolve and uh you know we see things different ways and and when we write it we have no idea maybe that it goes another two or three layers deep than when we first wrote it, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's maybe getting a different understanding uh, as you as you evolve and, and mature a little bit. So let's turn to a track from the album Six and Six Eight. It is available at iTunes for our listeners to get. And uh, this song is called Red Balloon. Uh, a lot of meaning in the song. It's very powerful. And you wrote this with Alex Steinwall. Um, mm-hmm. And tell me about the song Red Balloon, David. Well, Alec is a, a fantastic uh, songwriter and, and, and lyricist. And Alex, uh, from time to time, sent some lyrics my way. And and he sent me a lyric for this. And, and I really liked it. And I came up with some music for it. But I kind of took the story down a, a, a little different road. And, and around the time I was actually writing the song with Alec, a good friend of mine, Amy Doolittle, um, was battling ALS, and it sort of became a bit of a tribute to Amy. Um, I was very fortunate to get the chance to play this at a benefit concert for her when she was still alive at uh, the Rose Theatre in Brampton, which was which was great. And um, so, yeah, th- this song is a tribute to my friend Amy, but I think you know many people can uh, you know relate to this song and the idea of there's so many things you hold on to that you can't let go so it's really a song about letting go whatever that means to you as an individual 
Let's hear that beautiful song now from my guest, David Leesk. This is Red Balloon on In the Country. With a shiny red balloon She said I'll keep it forever Till I grow old And bounce it around in my room But on her way home Somehow the string slipped away Her mum held her tight Wiped out the tears and said as the both watched it sail, let it go, let it fly. A red balloon in a big blue sky, let it ride on the wind. There's so many things we can't hold, let it go. his things There was no more left to say She heard her mother's voice in her head As his old car drove away Let it go Let it fly Like a red balloon in a big blue sky Let it Things we can't hold, let it go. Let it go. 
And that is singer-songwriter David Leesk with a very powerful song from his album called Six and Six Eight. The song is Red Balloon. And that song uh, also inspired the artwork for uh, the cover of this album, which is, which is a really cool photo, cool picture, rather, painting by yep. Paul W. Thompson. And tell me about Paul. I know that he's a local artist. Yeah, you know, um, Paul is my wife's brother-in-law's cousin, so a, a little bit of, a, you know, a Charlie, you need to draw for that one, but, you know, um, <laughs> we know some of Paul's work, and, and you know, he's, he's very gifted, and I just had this, this idea, um, actually I had just a vision of this fist coming through the water, holding on to a red balloon, so... I called him up and, and I asked if he would be interested in trying to translate that idea in an original painting, original oil painting, and he was very game, and we went back and forth with a whole bunch of different sketches, and it kind of evolved, and um, it's it's a really striking cover. I mean, it's one of the things mm-hmm. you try and do as an artist. It's It's trying to, you know, paint the songs, as it were, on the front, and I think that this album... Um, it it does have a, a lot of struggle, but it, I feel that it is drenched in hope um, with, between all of the songs in this record. And I think Paul did an amazing job in capturing that in, in, in the artwork. Yeah, it's a great video at your website, davidleesk.com, and it talks about your past album covers and the story behind this one. And I think it's great in this day and age with the downloads and not everybody sees artwork and they're getting single songs you put together an album with a cover that has significance to it. And I think, mm-hmm. to me, there's such an experience with music beyond just the actual song to listen to. So it's the artwork, it's reading the lyrics, and mm-hmm. maybe even hearing something behind, you know, if there's something written that you can hear a description, as you have, have sent me, a dis- one-line description of what the song uh, is about. Uh, I think mm-hmm. all that adds into the whole experience of listening. I think it does. I mean, I mean, certainly the, I mean, to go back to the the vinyl days, to hold that album cover in front of you as you listen to the song. There's the image, and then there generally was the, all the lyrics that you could read. And you're right in the digital world. It's something that comes on via Spotify on a playlist that you've never heard before, and it, it's you don't have those other um, contexts if you like. Um, mm-hmm. It's really got to strike you, whether it's the beat, the melody, or some of the words that you catch, and before you know it, you're shazamming it to try and find out what it is. So it's <laughs> um, it's kind of a different form of discovery as opposed to us, you know, being fed something on the radio and then going to the record store and buying it and then really getting inside it. And so there's there there, there is a very different way that people um, connect with music nowadays. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, David, you've uh, put out five albums over the last 20 years. How has your sound changed from that first one to present, and have you set out along the way each time to do something different to give people a different side of you, or is it kind of, well, this is who David Leesk is, and I'll, I'll keep giving that? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think that there are influences, uh, you know, s- stuff that I've gravitated towards over here and and you know there's no doubt that Nashville's had an, an influence I mean I've been going to Nashville probably for over 15 years and 
you know, just working um, with people like Chad Carlson, who mixed the record. He mixed my underneath record and he mixed this record. So there's a bit of a stamp on that. And, um, you know, but there's 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 some real um, interest and creativity, I think, in the production of this record, too. You know, even between him and me with uh, some of the there's the Middle Eastern percussion and there's a sitar sample and and there's cello on Can't Make It Back Home. And there's whistles and flutes and concertinas mm-hmm. on red balloons. So, I mean, it's. Uh, I try and follow the song in that regard, you know. I mean, I think it was Daniel Lanois who said that once you write the song, it's it's about trying to, when you come to production, it's about trying to take an oral photograph of what the song is to translate it to people's ears. And, um, right. Yeah, so it's I, I'm more about that. And again, this record is a little bit varied between the sort of Celtic folk to the country uh, and even a bit of soul and when you think no one loves you. So I I just love trying to honour the song and um, I feel that, you know, the songs are king and the songs have got to tell you A, how they should be written and B, how they should be recorded. And of course, that's in the context of who you are as an artist. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the whole thing is all about listening as far as I'm concerned. It must be uh, fun and exciting, David, when you're when you're writing the song and to be thinking in terms of, okay, here I am on the guitar uh, writing the song, but when I go in the studio, I can't wait to try this element or put this in and to start to build the song from the basic demo that you've done to the final product. There's there's that there's that side of excitement, but there's also the the sign of terror, which is you know making all the decisions about what you keep and what you don't keep and how you do it. And you know, like to give you a little inside scoop, the you know, on can't make it back home. Um, I thought I might like to try pedal steel on it, and so I did a session in Nashville with, with a guy, and we tried it, and I didn't like it, and then we tried, uh, like, Dobro slide guitar on it, and I didn't like it, and and then Justin and I thought we should try the cello, and the cello really worked. The cello fit that kind of theme on that song, so, right. you know, it, it's the, the the production aspect there's you have all this creative palette uh that you can you know you can decide but you know it's not like you have millions of dollars to spend so (laughs) you have to be you have to be pretty you know accurate with your decisions you can't go on and on and on it's not the old days where there's a big budget and you take a whole year to do a record as an indie you've got to be in and out as quick as you can so so yeah instincts play a big role in that and it's also fabulous to have a guy like Justin to bounce ideas off and I've known him for I don't know 15 years so um, we have a a good understanding um, when it comes to that kind of stuff yeah, I, I would imagine that uh, a producer and you, you want to be on the same page. And, of course, if you've spent time together and worked together before, that, that gets you there. Because, you know, it's your music ultimately. Uh, you want their input, but it's great when they know your style, know your sound, what you're mm-hmm. after. That's and the true. two of you work yeah. together. Because, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine if you had a producer that was trying to pull you in a different direction, that, that you know, it'd be a little tense. Yeah, kind of like being on a first date as opposed to, you know, having been married for a number of years. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 
Exactly, and that, that's great that you and Justin have that relationship. Uh, I want to talk a bit more about Nashville after we play the next song, uh, but let's turn to, and this is, wow, what a, a powerful song uh, called Can't Make It Back Home. You wrote this with Patrick Bouchard and Laura Ryan, and I know Laura, mm-hmm. and she's a great vocalist and writer and a terrific person. Mm-hmm. And you wrote this, as you had told me, and I also read it in the, the notes you sent me, at a songwriter's camp in Montreal, and I'll let you take the uh, story from there. Yeah, I was invited to uh, take part in a camp up there, which is, you know, you've got a whole bunch of writers and you get um, put in a room with another two writers. So there's three of you and 10 o'clock in the morning, you start with a, a blank sheet and you're expected to have a song written and recorded by the end of the day. And um, I walked into this room and Patrick said, I he, I'd like to write a song in 6A. And I thought, well, I'm down with that. I really love 6A. So <laughs> started strumming something, singing a line about the soldier. And before you know it, Laura and I were back and forth with the lyrics. And um, the song was done by 7 o'clock. And I'd recorded all the lead vocals, uh, piano and uh, uh, acoustic guitars. Patrick laid down electrics. And most of those tracks, um, the vocals, piano and acoustic, were all keepers and they stayed on the finished version. So they were actually recorded the very day the song was, was birthed. And uh, we added oh, wow. real drums and, and bass back in Toronto and the cello. And Justin put some more electrics on. But it, it's it's something that's never happened to me before where I've written a song and recorded everything the same day and it's ended up on a, a recording. So there's some real power in there. And I think part of that came from feeling the song as it was coming out and the three of us kind of as a team just really pushing for what spontaneously felt like the right thing to do uh, in terms of the melodies and and the lyrics and um, really proud of that song and I know Laura and Patrick are as well and um, you know it has a special significance with the subject matter about soldier coming home returning suffering from PTSD trying to find his way back into normal mm-hmm. life and um, it, it's it's a really heavy hitter that song and uh, I played it last night at the Cameron and uh, there was a fellow there from the States who um, was in the military and um, he came up to me and thanked me for playing it and yeah, he had a friend of his who passed away who suffered from PTSD mm-hmm. so so you know it, it's having an impact and that's I think that's one of the reasons we write songs is just to to get some meaning and um so yeah it's it feels like a worthwhile song to be out there and on the record. Yes and it's incredible when a song can have that meaning beyond you know a song we like to listen to and a song that moves us but a song that is such a deep place in in people's lives as you mentioned that story uh, at mm-hmm. the Cameron House and I'm sure others as they hear the song especially the ones that can relate to it uh, this mm-hmm. will really uh, hit pretty deep so uh, it's a wonderful thing about music uh, we have more to talk about with my guest David Leesk this is Can't Make It Back Home on In The Country
Stuck in no man's land Fighting this battle The best Ontario singer-songwriter David Leask and his song Can't Make It Back Home, and you'll find that on his album that's out at iTunes now called Six and Six Eight, and you can learn more, more about him at davidleask.com. And uh, you mentioned the Cameron House, and we are here in uh, about the middle of March as we are uh, doing this interview, and you've got a couple more Mondays there. Tell me about the mm-hmm. vibe and the feel. I've been there a couple of times, but tell me about the vibe and feel for you of uh, the Cameron House. You know, I, I've gone there over the years, and, and for me, it, it's a great place to go. 
and hear original music and um you know the the vibe is a bit goth maybe you know there's interest painting on the walls but there the people are very accustomed to sitting listening to original music and that's what i like about it there are some people that walk in off the street you know um but uh you know i've enjoyed it like last night was just great and you know I'm, i'm really already looking forward to the next one and um, it's great to play with Justin, and, and you know, it just uh, you know, it feels like it's it's becoming more of a home the the more I play there. So yeah, it, it's 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 worth checking out, um, you know, to see live music. I, I really dig it. When you're getting ready for a show, of course, it is filled with your great originals. But I do know that you do covers. I'm not even sure if you do them in this type of setting, but. Do you do you hear you know when you're doing a new cover let's say so we talked about Mike and the Mechanics an older song but do you ever hear a song uh, on the radio and maybe you've never performed it before but you get so into it that you'll learn it to perform at one of your shows. There's definitely songs that strike me like that and they feel like um, I can do them justice and also sometimes they feel like they they're malleable to allow me to play around with them a little bit and that might mean changing the groove and uh mm. you know building a loop and stuff so not not trying to map on I, i'm not a guy to do a cover where it it's totally bang on the way you hear it and 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 that might mean chord substitutions so sometimes you know wow. it might be an inversion inversion chord where there was just a straightforward one chord and so i love to do that so i love to play around with everything that you have at your disposal, whether it's tempo change, it might even be time signature change, um, groove certainly, and and some of the sort of harmonic chord substitutions, and uh, that way you're kind of again tapping into your own originality and the way that you would hear it and feel it. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't say there's a lot of people that have come up and been totally annoyed with me over the years of me doing that. And I think what's important to people when they hear it is that if you take ownership of that and and you you're, you know, inside it and you have the passion when you're singing and playing it, which to me is the most important thing, then they will get it. It might take them an extra eight bars to recognize it, but uh, they, they will get it. And I think that's that's what allows me to, you know, enjoy playing covers because I know some people can't stand playing covers. They just want to play their own music. But I think you can still be your own person, be original um, playing covers if if you can let that kind of come through your own filter. Yeah, I like the way you explained that, you know, putting your own spin on it and changing it up, whether it's tempo or with the chord. But it's it's interesting for you as the performer and us as uh, as listeners and fans, we're hearing a different spin on a song, and that uh, that keeps it fresh. I, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned yeah. we talk about Nashville a bit more, and you mentioned it earlier in the show. A lot of listeners uh, to the show enjoy that talk. A lot of them have been there, and a lot of them mm-hmm. are artists and singer-songwriters who go there. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated by the power that Nashville has, David. Uh, it seems when writers go there and performers, there is just something there, aside from the actual writing you do, just something about being around and in Nashville that inspires you. Maybe t- tell me about the significance of Nashville to you. Um, you know, it, it's definitely uh, it, it, it's a source of uh, creativity. I don't think anyone can put their finger on what it is um 
people people go there to write. There's there's so many writers there. Maybe it's the idea that there's around three thousand people at ten o'clock in the morning who are sitting down trying to create, and as they create, you know, they're all tuning their own antenna into where these ideas come from. And if that stuff's moving in the air, you might get lucky to grab onto something. <laughs> and um, I, I just think that there's a lot of creativity there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like it for that reason. I mean, I, I do a lot of co-writing there, and that's. Over the years, I've found some people that I love to co-write with that, you know, you, you bring your, your best ideas and and things just end up translating. Um, whereas, you know, you might try and mine that yourself and you you might be six months into it and you're pulling the remaining few hairs that you've got in your head out to try and <laughs> finish the song. And uh, But no, it, it seems like when you're down there, that there's something that can happen. It's definitely uh, an inspiring place, but for for what reason? I, other than what to say, I don't I don't know. Apart from maybe all the uh, southern food that that you eat down there, maybe that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> the the food play, the food plays into it as well, for sure. Well, you have to go for lunch before you write the bridge. I was writing with someone, and and uh, the the structure of the song was verse, chorus, verse, chorus, lunch, bridge. Chorus. <laughs> so you have to have the lunch before the bridge. So I love that. I have not heard yeah. it worded that way before. That is hilarious. <laughs> you you mentioned co-writing, and, and we'll wrap up on this note here. Uh, for you and for anyone listening who maybe has an attempted co-writing, uh, which would be a good pointer for them, uh, what do you take, David, into a session? So you're going to meet these people, whether it's for the first time or the tenth time, but you've got a session booked at, say, 3 o'clock. What are you going to take with you to uh, hopefully make sure it's a successful co-writing session? You know, mostly I'll take, uh, you know, I always have a book that has a whole bunch of lyric title ideas. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe even a built verse or chorus, you might not be sure which it is at that point, but it's, it's you know, a couplet. And uh, I would generally take, you know, three or four musical ideas uh, that are kind of in the embryonic stages. There, there might be mumbles, there might be a verse or there might be a verse in the chorus um, but something to kick something off and, and generally when you sit down you play that for your co-writer you know you certainly hope that something twigs but generally something does and they have a favourite and that's probably something that appeals to them based on who they are and their influences, but it might also be the way that they're feeling that day and what you know what side of the bed they got out of, and you know whether they had a right. you know a, a disagreement with their wife or their girlfriend. Who knows? But it's <laughs> it's interesting to see what they will pick. And uh, but I think the the most important thing to me before I do that is that whoever I'm going to co-write with, I have to really think uh, think hard as to who this person is even if I've never met them before, and, and try and figure out what I think they might like. And then, of all the ideas that I have, really put my best guesses forward. Um, it's, so in a way, it's it's kind of like going back to school and you've got to do your homework before you go in to do a presentation in front of the teacher kind of thing. So, so the more you do that, I think the more chance you have of them mapping on to what you, you lay down on the table. 
That is amazing. Well, David, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I'll, I'll remind our listeners, of course, we've heard songs from your new album, which is called Six and Six Eight, available at iTunes, and they can head to davidleesk.com to learn more about you. And there's also a list of the shows uh, that are upcoming, so people can head out and uh, see you at different venues. And David, again, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. Great chatting. All right. Good to chat with you too, Dave. Thanks very much. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.